Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen. As we have a conversation conversation about the mundane, one conversation that'll steer us in different directions and we promise won't be too fascinating so that you can just listen, fall asleep, drift off, or just relax. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Marco, We were having an interesting debate right before we started this podcast. Yes, we certainly were. And the debate was muffins versus cupcakes. And we had quite a few words about this, and we figured we'd bring it to our listeners to see what their opinions are. But I love muffins, and I hate cupcakes. And I love cupcakes. But I also like muffins, so I'm not as polarized as you might be, Marco, but... See, I like a cake. Okay. I love a cake. Yep. I love a frosted cake. I love a wedge of cake. Sure. I don't like it in its cupcake form. What is it about the cupcake form that has is causes such an aversion to you? I don't like it. I feel like there's too much frosting to cake content. I feel like because the surface area of the cupcake is smaller, it tends to get cooked in a different manner, or the bottom tends to be a little bit more cardboardy, which I know is not a word, but it's the best one I can use to describe my disdain for cupcakes. Now, a muffin, on the other hand, they can be savory, and they can use fruits. They're not super sweet. Uh, They have a chewiness to them. They're even a lot more, less showy than a cupcake. A little bit more plain, a little bit more subdued, and a lot more liked by me. Wow, that is certainly uh, a passionate response to um, cupcakes. Um, I understand some of what you have said, and you might agree that cupcakes can sometimes be too sweet 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if they aren't done well, can sometimes have too heavy of a consistency in the baked part of it. Mm-hmm. However, a good cupcake from a unique cupcake baker can yes. be absolutely delightful. Mini cupcakes, for example. The worst. Bite-sized cupcakes, the best. Okay. I Tell me more about your love for cupcakes. What makes for you a great cupcake? Well, I love cakes as well. I love the icing on cupcakes more than I like the icing on a cake. Okay. Um, I prefer cupcakes because they've got this sense of individuality to them. So the type of cupcake that someone chooses is always an interesting paradigm for me. What's your favorite? I love vanilla cupcakes with some unique flavor on the top. Okay. Um, you know, I know salted caramel is not that unique anymore, however, something like that. I also like bringing cupcakes to places because you can select a few different kinds and know Mm -hmm. that you're pleasing everybody, except for you, of course, Marco, but... With a cake, you're kind of committed to the loaf that you've brought or to the flavor of the cake. And so it might be two different, I mean, so basically what you like might be very different from what others like. Fair, fair. I also prefer my cakes to be more of a carrot cake a lemon loaf, something that is more of an everyday cake, whereas with a cupcake, I can have that as like an indulgence. To me, it's a very decadent type of thing uh, versus like like an ice cream cake or something like that that I would never have. Muffins, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. for me, are more of a breakfast morning type of thing. I see. But they're also a little too heavy, so I don't really eat muffins that often anymore. What about like a zucchini muffin? Fair. I like a zucchini muffin. Sure. Do you like to... It's not a dessert. That's... And and you've got a good point there. Um, Now, your muffin, do you butter your muffin or do you just gobble it up? I only butter my muffin when I come to your place. Wow. Because normally I do not have muffins with butter. Okay. But also when I'm out and having a muffin, I'm likely to be having like a chocolate chip muffin or something like that. I don't like muffins with fruit in them. I find that repellent. Really? I find it abhorrent. Okay, so you're not a fan of the the fruit muffin. No, absolutely not. I love scones. And I'm happy to admit it, I love a good scone, I like a dry scone, I like a scone that is very uneventful in flavor, because I feel like it's the perfect accompaniment to a nice hot tea. And, no, and I was going to say, maybe it's the old British woman that lives inside (laughs) me that feels that the scone is a perfect, perfect addition. I once had maybe scones, clotted cream, and tea. And a little English 
house, like it was a little farmhouse that was made of clay and straw in the countryside. And it was a little hunk of paradise. Do you prefer savory scones or uh, sweeter scones? If it's a scone, I will eat it with extreme delight. That's oh, all I can tell you. Very interesting. Mm. I like savory scones. Okay. You know, cheddar cheese and chai mm. scones. Um, sometimes they have like um, a scone with like a little bit of ham in it. I don't, I, at this point, I don't think it's a scone anymore. What do you mm. think it would be? I, I think it's some sort of, I don't know, breakfast muffin. Because I think a scone is, is like, I have, I'm going to look up what a scone is. Why do you describe these these feats of, I don't know what. Well, I just think that um, scones, it, it's, it's a single serving of cake, essentially. It's like, a, it's like a bread substance. So you can have, you know, different savory items in your bread substance. I find it... Uh... Now, do you know the proper pronunciation for the word scone? Because some people pronounce it differently. Some people say scone, don't they? Mm. I don't know the exact pronunciation. I uh, prefer scone, though, for some reason. So I have the definition here as a small, unsweetened, or lightly sweetened biscuit-like cake made of flour, fat, milk, and sometimes having the added fruit. So I don't see any bacon and cheddar scone and burrito scone that you're describing, which I think is just wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just a take on the biscuit component of the scone. Well, then it's a biscuit. It's not a scone at that point. <laughs> I mean, call me an elitist, but I think there's a major difference. And I have a very good friend who is a biscuit connoisseur. Oh. Derek Shipman can certainly, uh, you know, rise up to the challenge here of the difference between a scone, a sconce, and a biscuit. Well, He's from Tennessee, so he has some authority on that. Okay, well, we will have to ask him, because I do love a nice buttermilk biscuit, too. Mm. Fresh buttermilk biscuits. Mm. Derek and I are both lovers of grits. Do you like grits? I just had grits for the first time. Oh, Lady, where have you been living all this time? Under, under some sort of biscuit broth? I guess so. I wasn't the biggest fan. <sighs> well... We'll agree to disagree. It kind of tastes a bit like oatmeal. What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> I will say this, Nitty. Do you have a globe? Do you own a globe? I used to own a globe growing up. Okay. I remember when, yes, I used to have one and I would spin it. Okay. Um, and I remember always wanting, and it was a plastic globe that you used to have in school. Sure. Um... But I remember always wanting one of those large, antique-looking uh, um, globes that kind of have a wooden, almost frame around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking a about. dark wood. Some of them have, like, a, it's kind of like a, what do you call those things, like a liquor cabinet. If you move the dough, if you move the globe sort of over and a half inside, you'd find all kinds of scotches or whatnot. Yes. You see them in, like, James Bond-type films and whatnot. Yep. There was also, um, I used to enjoy the comic book, The Adventures of Tintin. Okay. And in one of the comics, um, they're looking for a treasure, and they go all around the world looking for this treasure, and they end up finding it, um, 
in this old house, uh, which becomes Captain Haddock's house for any connoisseurs of the Tintin series. Um, and they find it in a globe. Like, the globe okay. has a hidden compartment, and when you press the correct um, longitude and latitude on the globe, it opened up the compartment, and there was this huge treasure in there. Tell me how you discovered Tintin comics, or how you became someone who enjoyed them. It was something from my childhood that when we would go to India, mm-hmm. we used to bring back Tintin comic books. I, now, I don't know if that's because they weren't as widely available here. Okay. Um, or it was just that they were cheaper in India, and so we used to buy the set in India and kind of come back with it. But um, I used to love reading those comic books, and it was a very positive uh, memory, just uh, um, interacting with those characters, Tintin, Professor Calculus, Mm -hmm. Snowy the dog, and I loved how they used to go on all these adventures around the world, and he would just, you know, find the bad guys, and it's interesting because I didn't realize for a really long time, because I had been exposed to it in English, mm-hmm. that it was originally a French series because oh. it's uh, a Belgian author. And she was a Belgian author. And of course, in Belgium, he's revered and there's Tintin everywhere. Okay. And it's funny because the char- character names are different in French versus English because oh, of know the translation. Okay. But, uh, so Snowy in English. Snowy the dog, but in French it's Milou. Um, Tintin, of course, is the same, but... Um, what is Milou? Milou is Snowy the dog, but the French na- his name in, in the French comics is Milou. But Milou doesn't necessarily mean Snowy, does it? I don't know. Okay. No, so, yeah. So it doesn't have the same connotation? It doesn't have the same oh, connotation. that's so interesting. And then there's the big controversy, because in French, the comic... There's a whole like comic um, that took place in the Congo, but it was really like racist. Oh my goodness! So it never got translated into English. Wow! But there you uh, go. and there you go. So, um, and I think that because the Belgians colonized oh, Congo I see. So or that's, something like that. Right, so right. Uh, if I'm remembering, I'd have to look on a map. I was just gonna say, mm-hmm. you just took the words out of my mouth. Sure. Um, but speaking of maps, Marco, right. you know those old maps that used to, um, like before they even, I guess around the time when they were like discovering the new world and when you saw maps, they actually had like monsters drawn in the sea Oh. because they weren't sure what was out there right, and right. they would think that there were these monsters that lived in the sea. Have you ever seen a map like I, that? I've seen like maps that have those kind of like sea monsters on them uh in museums i think Mm -hmm. and you know it's interesting when you start talking about cartography and people who made maps back in the day before you knew exactly what was out there and how the land sort of really shaped itself like today's maps where it really sort of gives you a true, true representation of the area that you're in um 
I love maps. Do you? Mm -hmm. What do you like about maps? I just like seeing the world map and seeing the places that I've been to or the, the shapes of certain countries and whatnot. And uh, I don't know, it's just something about the map and showing you how vast the planet we live on is. It's true. I would like to one day take a globe, right? spin it, mm -hmm. point my finger, okay. and wherever it stops, visit that place. Ah. Unless it was a place that I didn't want to visit. Well, that's then the problem. I just I go again. You have to commit. You can't just, you know, you got to take with whatever destiny throws your way with regards to spinning the globe. I think I would do best of three. Fair. Fair enough. I once got envelopes that were made out of maps so that the envelope that um, was an old map that was made into an envelope. So if you would send it somewhere in the world, the person would be getting an envelope that was a map, and you could purchase one that was your home city or your home town on an envelope. That's beautiful. That's a really unique thing to be able to receive. From and it's you. not that hard if you think about it. It's not that hard. It wouldn't be that hard to make because you could go into um, a used bookstore or better still, a donation center like a Goodwill or Salvation Army or one of those kind of places upon not a pawn shop but those places that receive various items purchase old atlases because people now with the internet and whatnot don't really have reference books in their homes and cut out pages fold them up into the shape of an envelope and there you go Marco you know I love seeing old maps of Toronto, the okay. city that we live in. Mm -hmm. I know that, I think you have one, yeah, don't you? Yeah, just up the stairs. If you go up the stairs, you'll see a, a map from, I don't know when, because there are some parts of the city that have been renamed since then and, and don't appear as that on that particular map. It's an old map, yeah. I think it's it was when Toronto was still kind of called Fort York, mm -hmm. was it not? I don't know, something like that, I think. It's called, it's, the map says York, Toronto, so oh, it was okay. still in those days, you know. Where is it? Where, what, you know. It's an old map. It's an old map. Yeah. I like it because I like seeing some of the streets that we walk on today, mm -hmm. and they're all modern, and like these huge high-rises, and then you look on these maps, and they predate any of that, and I find it really fascinating. That's why I like also looking at old photos, sort of like, then and now photos, right? Because um, I find it fascinating how much things change. Even if you look at old then and now photos of cities in the seventies or eighties versus today, I mean that wasn't that long ago. However, cities have changed so much that you can really see a difference. Are you a good reader? Of maps like are you like if you were in a city and someone gave you a map would you be able to get around that particular city like when you go to a different city you've never been to do you ask for a hotel map or map of the city um I don't anymore but I okay. guess I yeah I guess I should I don't because I don't like looking like a tourist in cities okay. so I don't like using a map but I'll use a map on my phone so I'll use so I will be reading a map it's sure. just a, it, an it's electronic a, one okay um, are you old school when you look I, at the map? I, I'm good at either. I can yeah. use either a map that I get from a hotel or one. What I always do when I go to a hotel 
which one of the first things I do is I ask for one of their business cards and I immediately put it into my wallet so that should I get lost, ah. I have the exact address of the hotel where I'm staying as well as the phone number and I can hop into either a cab or ask people where is this even if I don't speak their language, I can show them the card and get some general directions. That's a great idea. That's mm -hmm. a good travel tip. Do you have any other hotel type uh, tips that you or, or you know things I, that you I'm, do? I will tell hotels my preference. So, for example, I don't like to stay on the first floor of hotel rooms oh, or hotel that? rooms because um, I think it's I think it's much more dangerous when you're on the first floor. In particular, if it's kind of like you know those motels that mm -hmm. people park in front of. I won't stay in those. In those, I'll stay in higher higher numbered floors. But I will also tell the concierge or the hotel staff what my preference is. So I will be like, I prefer to have, let's say, an ocean view or sea view. I prefer to be away from the elevators because, as you know, I'm a light sleeper and um, noises like that from being close to the elevator will keep you up, will keep one up, I should say. Um, I will call before I go to a city the hotel where I'm planning to stay to find out if they're having construction done on that hotel because oh, there's wow. nothing worse than going to a hotel and hopefully none of our listeners are like traveling somewhere where they right, encounter the hotel this because when you're trying to sleep and the hotel construction happens early in the morning in particular if you have a late evening or you have a presentation that happens later in the day you don't want to be disturbed by hotel constructions and because so many hotels in the world do have construction going around or are revamping their rooms um, those are a few things a few tools or a few say hotel tricks tricks or or sort of things that I do I'm trying to go with like um, hacks hotel hacks yeah, I guess maybe <laughs> you could say that yeah what about yourself? I, uh, with hotels, not so much. Um, I'm not really good, actually, at the traveling hacks, to be quite honest. Okay. I'm very, uh, I'm not even that, like, I'm trying to get better at packing as well, because okay. I'm a heavy packer. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not good. Um, do you have any, so I've tried to, like, now roll up outfits mm. so that you have everything done for outfit. A friend of mine gave me a good um, a good a good plastic uh, a, a good um, uh, what's it called trick mm -hmm. where um, where the she rolls up actual outfits in Ziploc bags, okay. large Ziploc bags, mm -hmm. and then puts it into the, um, puts it into the, uh, suitcase, and the suitcase, then when she's opening her suitcase, instead of having to mess up everything to figure out where things are, right. she picks up these plastic bags, which is really great, particularly if you're traveling for a longer a tough time or you're backpacking or something like mm -hmm. that because then you're not messing up your entire suitcase. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. I have a 
travel scale that I carry with me that allows me to weigh my baggage. So, and I recommend this. You know, Nitty, somebody was asking me, what do you get somebody who has everything? And I would say a travel scale. So what it is, is it, it's a handheld device that has like a hook to it. And the hook will go on the handle of your bag. And when you lift up the bag from the handle, and the hook like holds the bag, once it's up in the air, it will give a digital reading of the weight of your bag. Oh, that's amazing. Have you never... Okay, I know what to get you for your birthday, which is coming up. So <laughs> I will, I will get you one of those because it is one. It's one of those tools that you only use a couple of times a year. But when you do, you're like, "Thank goodness for this." This is what I needed to make life easier. So I recommend that as well. Yeah, that's one of the things I travel with. That would be very helpful for me because often what happens is if I go away for extended periods of time. Mm -hmm. I tend to go shopping, and then I need to borrow luggage to get back home to make sure that I am under the weight restrictions. So you need to leave yourself a bit of space in your luggage every time you travel. Correct, but I always overpack. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's There's something about um, not wanting or, or wanting my things with me when I'm not at home that is... Um, comforting to me but then what I find is that I don't actually wear everything that I bring with me or use everything that I bring with me so what do you keep your passport in that's a that's kind of a personal question but it's a great question to ask people because everyone has a different sort of place that they keep their passport so I have two things I have a passport uh, holder mm -hmm. I also have a travel wallet Okay. And the travel wallet is this beautiful leather wallet that I actually bought in a in the leather market in Florence many, okay. many years ago. Right. And it has a pouch where you can put, um, a, or a slot where you can put your boarding pass, um, travel checks, if that's something that you have anymore. I don't think anyone, don't think anyone uses those anymore, but just in case. And then it has multiple slots. It has about 20 different slots on each side for cards. Because if you're traveling, you need more than your usual allotment of cards for any reason. It's also got an area that you can put your baggage tickets. Um, and it's just really versatile. It's got a coin area so that you can put everything, uh, all the different coins that you might collect right. along the way. And of course, it's got multiple pockets for currency, etc. I have a passport holder that has multiple pockets for various things and a place to keep a pen. The only thing that I'm not loving about it is that it is black and I wish it was a bright color so I could always see where it is when I'm traveling because it's often in my backpack. 